ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, friends beyond the binary, and all my patrons, uh, was it was a uh, was it was it was it fuzzy patrons? Scooty Scooty's got a nubby on the back of his head. Uh, if you've listened to it for a long time, you know I have a nub on the back of my head. Good night. Good night. Thanks for supporting the show. Uh, hey, you get all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep. Welcome to Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to, to help you uh, fall asleep. We do it with the bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to try to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place or craft or formula. I guess I won't be formulating. I've never been good at formulations. But I'm going to attempt to create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's been keeping you awake, whether it's thoughts, uh, feelings, physical things, whatever's going on that's preventing you from falling asleep. I'd like to distract you from that. What I'm going to do is send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use a lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones that may or may not grow on you if you're new. So give it a few tries. I'm going to use pointless meanders, repetition, nonsense, uh, both repetitive, fresh nonsense and repetitive nonsense and stagnant nonsense. You won't use any nonsense. I still haven't seen that musical nonsense, or I still haven't seen the movie with Aubrey Plaza. As a nun, but believe me, I've been thinking about it. Uh, like, uh, anyway, this is a podcast intro. What am I doing? Did I, did I say Aubrey or did I mispronounce? Anyway, if you're so, if you're new here, let me introduce you to the show. Hey, Aubrey. Hope you're not, hopefully you're not here. But uh, if you're new here, uh, let's see. So, this is a podcast to put you to sleep, but there's a couple of caveats. Say, like uh, one, you don't really need to listen to this podcast. You can just barely hear it. Uh, like, kind of like, this is just a cartoon. This isn't based on reality, but like in the cartoons when the person would have the ear horn and they'd be like, say what? Uh, you could like a, like a metaphorically listen like that if there was a way to do that without being a grouchy stereotype of a cartoon stereotype of someone that's older and can't hear well. Like, so just basically like, well, well, I don't need to hear this one. So I guess it wouldn't, I guess as like, like, I just want to put that image in your mind, I guess. Uh, you don't really need to listen. You can kind of barely hear what I'm saying. And then you shouldn't feel any pressure to fall asleep. I'll be here for about an hour to keep you company. And the whole idea of the podcast is I'll keep you company. I'll try to keep you engaged with my rambling and my, you know, like, go, like, like over talking and under talking. I don't do a lot of up-talking unless I just did it there. I just did that for fun. Uh, but do do I? Uh, is, is that what up-talking is? I really have no idea. Uh, that's another thing dudes complain about, about podcasters or podcasters. Uh, anyway, sorry. Uh, so if you're new here, though... Uh, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get mixed up. I'm gonna try to make jokes about stuff. I don't, like a lot of times, I don't know what I'm talking about. Most of the time, and 99 percent of the time, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, but I'm here to keep you company and keep you distracted while you cross over the threshold from wake to sleep. It puts you at ease. Uh, take your mind off of stuff. Be your boar friend here in the deep dark night. Your boar bro. Your boar bay. Your boar sib, your boar cuz, 
your more buddy, I guess. Uh, if yeah, you know, like I, there's a lot of times. This is what like uh, I thought I was going to talk about one thing this intro, but I think I'm going to talk about bosom buddies, and also like the thought pro- like th- overthinking. So there's this uh, sitcom in the. Uh, uh, 80s called Bosom Buddies, and when I was uh, going to university, it was on uh, like repeats and syndication, I guess you call it during the day. And I was like, in a, I was in a bad place when I was going to like university, like uh, and uh, college, as we call it here, is trying to cover both ends. And like I was having a tough time at school, and one of the ways I dealt with it was by staying in bed. And I think a lot of listeners can relate to that. And like a little something called like a like a little word called void avoidance they say, and one of the ways I would watch the show called Bosom Buddies, and I can remember this is like one of those memories that just seared in my mind, where I really had a class I needed to go to, and I I love bosom. Oh, let me tell you this structure like a setup of Bosom Buddies because that'll interrupt this like uh, this will deflate a little emotion here. So Bosom Buddies was uh, like a, a situation comedy about this uh, man named Larry. I think he worked in an antique shop in uh, either Seattle or Chicago. Again, my mind is n- does not record most of anything accurately. And he had a cousin named Balky Bartakamu, played by Bronson, the great, uh, brilliant Bronson Pinchot. You don't know who played Larry. I'm sorry, sir. Uh, just because of Beverly Hill, you know, but anyway, like I gotta look, I gotta look up to somebody and Bronson's the one I look up to. Sorry. Uh, but so Belki Bartagamus predates, uh, uh, the Sasha Baird Cohen character, Borat, but in a similar way was from a kind of a fictional Eastern European country and a lot of the jokes played on that. And he had come to America to live with his cousin Larry, and so the situ- that was the situation. Uh, parents like that. No, that was a different comedy. Parents went away on a week's vacation. Oh no, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. That's a different song, even. But that was the situation of the co- the comedy. Larry, like a little bit of an odd couple with a twist uh, that. Uh, like based on stereotypes of Eastern Europe, I guess, which in the eighties people thought was okay because if it was fictional, it helped us deal with our complex feelings about every, you know, everything that was going on. It distracted us. And at the time I needed a distraction and Larry, cousin Larry and Balky were there to provide it. And their boss, I think there was a couple other characters. I don't really remember. I don't even remember really anything, but like, uh, Balaki saying cousin Larry, and I think he had a sheep whose name I forget name, and maybe that Larry couldn't go on a, like like I think every episode Larry went on a date, a blind date, and he had to take Balaki with him, or there was a big meeting at work. Like I think, I'm not sure what other episodes there were, and that's what I was saying to myself when I was like, okay, we got to go to this class. Holy cow! And I said, well, I got to see which which is this. Is it, what's how does this turn? Stranger goes to town, or Larry and Balky go on a journey. I think probably they did go on a journey once, probably back to the old country. And like uh, like I needed that comfort at the time. And who's to judge when you need comfort and distraction? Sometimes you just need it, and you have to listen to it. And uh, 
I don't know what I'm talking about. I guess this is a tangent, but but I guess what I'm saying here is like this is. Uh, I guess that's why I can make a podcast like this. I got a lot going on upstairs. I don't have a lot going on upstairs, but I have a lot of noise up there. I mean, my brain is kind of like an attic with like ten boom boxes up there that are on. You see, what's going on? What's all the racket up in the attic? What is it? Well, just a bunch of noise and cobwebs. And a couple of crates full of like costumes, uh, and the Christmas decorations. And there's a TV that keeps playing 80s sitcoms. Wait, are we talking about the attic or Scoots's brain? But if you're new here, okay, like I forgot to structure the show, but it's not important. There's a six minutes of business, then the long intro that we're at the tail end of, uh, but I don't know. Like, uh, I, I always needed a distraction when it in, in at bedtime. I think you deserve a distraction, whether it's this podcast or something else. I hope this podcast can fill that role for you because I think you deserve a friend in the deep, dark night to, to get to put your mind at ease or, or at least to say, hey, I'm here. I'm here to keep you company. I'm here to barely entertain you. Uh, oh, boy. Like, just like, yeah, I had to say, I have to say, just like uh, perfect strangers. And I'm kidding, though. Like, I'm just making fun of my own tastes inside of my brain. I'm having a little fun with myself. Uh, and so I wish, I wonder what his sheep's name was. Uh, I thought it would come to me. But uh, Balky's, uh, that was a great name. Great use of alliteration. Balky Bartakamus. Uh, what a wonderful uh, collection of letters and words. And then the, the one, I think one of the best parts about Bronson Pinchot, or however you say, like, uh, is he always had this amusing grin on his face. So like, almost like he was in, like he was in on the joke that he was in on, uh, that made it a little bit more delightful. Like almost like you could see his, like his, uh, like a comedic soul, like, like gleefully laughing when he was like, when he was really in character and crushing it. And so he's a bit like Pee Wee Herman in, in some sense, Balky. I mean, not at an exact one-to-one ratio. Anyway, so if you're new here, I'm glad you're here. Uh, like, uh, it's a podcast that's a little bit harmless, a little bit goofy. That I want to help you fall asleep. I guess that's it. Like, I want to be here. I'm going to talk. Uh, tonight we're going to do our uh, episodic series uh, uh, after the glass slipper season three. So I'll be here. I'll be here, and it's my honor to help if it can. Give it a few tries. doesn't work for everybody. I hope it works for you. And I appreciate you giving it a shot. If you're skeptical, I can totally see why. This is a weird thing. It's a little bit different. And uh, thanks. Thanks for trying. I'm glad you're here. I work hard, and I yearn to help you fall asleep. All right, Uh, let's keep going. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of our uh, episodic, what is it called? What was it called? Uh, I forgot what it was called. Like modular, modular, sodic, episodic and modular series uh, after the glass slippers, season three. Kind of the tale of what happened to Cinderella, kind of what happened after Cinderella became queen. It's mostly about her stepmother, Agatha. Who at this point has lived a fairly full life between season one, two, and now three. She's currently a pit of lentils. That's right, a pit of lentils, uh, like kind of like a, a swimming pool full of lentils. 
or the trash heap in, uh, like, Fraggle Rock. Uh, she's sentient, pit of lentils with humanoid features, and she's a teacher, a co-teacher, co-professor of a class uh, for fairy people. And, uh, like, I don't know if it's all the fairy world and the human world in the first two seasons, I think, like, uh, like we, they all came together. Um, but anyway, it's an episodic series. Like, you'll get it. It's just a class. We're just like kind of listening in on her recounting the class uh, to her, uh, I guess her lover, the letter man, but he's a letter man and she's a pit of lentils. So I don't know how that works, but they love each other. And I think that's it. So it's like, uh, like, and I'm also buying time for someone who is almost never on time. Oh, happy belated birthday, by the way. Oh, my friend, thank you. It was uh, one month ago. It was nearly. Uh, I mean, so did you take that bus I told you about with the, the sleep pods in, in the roof? No, you you gave me a $3 ticket to, to the Bolt bus. Oh, yeah, 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 but I figured you could, uh, like, I don't have Hollywood money. Like, that's uh, oh, okay. Okay, you guys, uh, hello, everyone. This is Antonio Banderas. Uh, it's my birthday one month about ago, Scooter. Anyway, the ladies, the gentlemen, the boys, the girls, the friends beyond the binary. It's time for another episode of After the Glasses Slipper. Tingle, 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 whee. Okay, that was kind of weird. I liked the t- I liked where you were going with it, but that weird. Anyway, after thanks Antonio Banderas, everybody. After glass slipper. Oh, hello, letter man. It is I, Agatha. You're asleep again. I've had another day of class. Oh, class let out a little while ago. I did my office hours. Oh, my letter man. He is sleeping. Next to, in his own crib, his little letter crib, next to the little baby here, child of the shepherd boy Gonzalo and Cinderella. Oh, my letter man. So I had office hours today, and it was absolutely interesting. Now, I do share an office uh, with Shelley, which is, you know, try a little bit of, uh, we're still working. We haven't unpacked yet, uh, it turns out that office hours are like hangout time for students uh, that need extra attention. And I mean attention in the sense of pay attention to me. And so, oh, that and that's private, though. I, I, so there were students visiting me. Most of it is the personal things anyway. First they say, you know, when you said this about this, uh, what are they called? Metacommunication, a very important letter, man. Is one thing I picked right up on when I, I audited that course. Always been good at metacommunication, even though I didn't know what it was. Uh, but always I used it for my own means. Uh, now I get to use it uh, for my own entertainment with these kids. I mean, I'm kidding. I, well, I'm not. It's an, You wouldn't believe uh, how dull their lives are. They're so well-behaved. Uh, and so I sat there, I talked to a lot of them, I pat, I patted some knees, I patted some arms, pulled out some tissues, Shelley did a lot of sighing, she did tapping of a pencil, 
I said, what kind of magic user need to, needs to tap a pencil? I'm about to tap, you're tap, tap, tapping on my patients. Also, it was interesting, you know, how they set up an office, which is basically they just put dividers around one part of my pit. Uh, and then I kind of pop up there and uh, Shelly has, so it's like a little room. It's, uh, you know, for Shelly, it's probably more uncomfortable. I always forget that I'm a pit of lentils. So would you believe that uh, this is my, I mean, this is how we adjust uh, to me. I am just me. Now I'm a pit of lentils. Was I once a woman? I, I cannot believe I was, but I do miss it sometimes and feel forlorn. Uh, but for the most part, I say, well, I'm a pit, I'm a teacher now. I define myself, uh, I don't, oof. I, maybe we shouldn't talk about this letter, man, especially with you sleeping. I never thought about it until I stopped it just now because I need, I need office hours. Uh, but maybe we could see it through the lens of myth, uh, my letter, man, because, oh boy, did we learn about a myth today. Uh, two of the children interviewed, uh, what's her name, uh, Horseshoe Sally. Yeah, I thought she was going to be Mustang Sally. I remember someone was called that a long time ago. But her name is uh, Shoehorn, no, no, Shoehorn, what is it? Not Shoehorn Sally, uh, Horseshoe Sally. That, uh, getting my shoes and my horns all mixed up. Yeah, but she, Horseshoe Sally, she's she's the best uh, horseshoe. She does all the horseshoes. She, the, the blacksmith makes the horseshoes. Horseshoe Sally, she orders them. Like, uh, And she's the best at putting them on. Uh, and sometimes you just have the blacksmith do all that. But here, and people come from all over to... to, to uh, uh, so she is the best, I uh, supposedly... And I did not interview her because the first thing I would ask is, what are these other than getting on my nerves when I'm trying to rest and clomping, clomping, what does a horseshoe do? I, I don't have an answer for that. Uh, and I would like one, Horseshoe Sally and your ilk. Uh, but this, so the, ch the two children, I don't want to see the names because I don't want to embarrass. One of them was very nervous and he, they came up to the front of the room and he was, oh, he was a nervous young man. And they, they were, he, he was uh, moving his feet back and forth. And, you know, they have to share the stage, should we say. Uh, Shelley has some other term for it, but I say share the stage, uh, pass the pencil. I think that's what uh, Shelley calls it. So they do a few sentences and the other one does. And they were talking about Damag and Jalid. Yeah, these two, this famous tale in the fairy world. And I said, I was draw marking Jalad. Yeah, but they said, Shelley said, oh, no. And the student said, no, no. Shelley corrected us at Demag and Jalid. Jalid, I think. It's like Jalid. Oh, no, they said Dr. Shelley. And I said, oh, Dr. Shelley. Oh, children, you're cracking me up. Uh, and she glared at me. And first they said that a Mustang, oh no, I keep calling a Mustang Sally. They were also showing, like, I won't do all of this for you, but a man. But, you know, they would also have to relay, this is my editing. But, you know, they would relay to me when uh, Horseshoe Sally, excuse me, was like spitting or walking around 
Well, all the children thought it was funny that she likes to stick her thumbs in her armpit. Uh, I don't know why that's funny. I mean, I guess uh, armpits, children find armpits much more amusing than adults do. I mean, I say, yes, we sweat and uh, sometimes it smells, but who cares? Like, uh, you know, do you, when was the last time you thought about uh, an armpit, a letter man? I mean, I have no armpits, but I still think I do. Uh, so they were describing that or how she would yell at customers or she would talk to the horses. And when the horses would pass gas, it, it, they still thought that the, the thumbs in the armpits was funnier than when a horse would pass gas. And the children would have to clean up after the horses. So that was interesting. But this whole, this tale is, now I guess long ago... These, that's how some of these tales start. There was a world, it was this world, I believe. Oh, no, it was a fairy world, which is was across the threshold in this world anyway. Uh, but it was a world much like a, a, like a, a par- paradise garden, full of beauty, where fresh water flowed from right out of the ground, and you could drink it, and down the mountains... And there was a bounty of fresh berries and fruit and greens. This was the nervous boy. He's and greens and tubers and nuts and stone fruit and tomatoes and apples and peas and beans. And they said, "Okay, okay, uh, bring it. Like it's okay. Take a few breaths. Uh, stick your finger. I did do this too. I said, stick your fingers in your armpits and take a few breaths. And they said, and grapes and gorbs." Gourds and squashes. I said, okay, okay, we, we need to get to the story here. Too many details. You're like when my letterman talks me to sleep. Uh, yeah, but things were growing in abundance, and it was, it was a pretty nice place to live. The only catch was it was ruled from this great city called Winfield. And Winfield was ruled by a terrible leader, a terrible king, uh, named Demag, and Demag was a grouchy, and uh, like ruled pretty much the known world. And like, uh, what was interesting was long before in this paradise they placed the Demag originally, or did they place the people and then Demag to rule them? I don't. I missed that part. But he is what was interesting, my man, Demag was the essence of energy, 33% feminine energy, you know, earth and feminine energy, and, you know, probably some from atmosphere 33% masculine-like energy from, uh, you know, whatever, spiders and tails and things. And then one-third god energy, you know, from the gods. They said, well, we'll put some god stuff in there. For, for Demag to rule around. And if and I said, like, uh, and then, the, I don't know if they picked up on this and they were waiting for me, but I saw it as a teachable moment because they said, oh, De, Demag was never in balance because of this. You know, there was always conflict. And I said, well, yes, because have you ever split pie in three ways? Could you do that? And the children said, but, uh, and I said, 33, 33, 33. And then I said, and they said, oh, yes, there was a great small sliver of emptiness in Demag. And so we talked about that for a while because Demag had these three parts that were in conflict, but also this empty 1%, we'll say. 
that Damag was always moving. This is, we were theorizing, you know, this is a class. So we were intellectualized, you know, this was, oh boy, the conversations we had. Uh, but that was like, I don't know if you can be irritable and irascible, but uh, Damag spent a lot of time conquering and like controlling people. Uh, because of the con- all these conflicts going on within it, and the emptiness uh, that Damag was missing, this little piece, uh, and uh, it was it made for like uh, like the people of the world they had this beautiful world to live in, uh, but they had this leader that was very unpredictable and brutish and uh, kind of tactless, and could say, "Well, geez, I don't like you one bit," and that kind. And rude, you know, just could be rude. And so at some point, the gods grew tired of this behavior. You know, for a while, they thought it was amusing watching Damag, you know, take over everything. And, you know, Damag was also highly intelligent, uh, but, but, you know, so, you know, building stuff and all that. But the gods said, well, this is growing tiresome. Like the gods would say, well, that was my favorite tree, and Damag chopped it down, or so on and so on. So they called the wanderer, and they said, get down there. You you know, you, you're two energies, Damag is three. Go down there and teach, give Damag some advising. You know, you were the one that fixed that other situation. Go down there and fix this one and make Damag less of a grouch. But, oh, if something similar to you does not, like, when you find something you dislike, it is usually something similar to you. So as soon as Damag met the Wanderer, Damag was not a fan of the Wanderer. And very quickly, the, the, like, the people even, then they, it reunited the people with Damag. They said, no, 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 we don't like this Wanderer. So that, that didn't work. Uh, there was no advice given by the Wanderer, and the Wanderer was chased out of town. And, and the people were united again for a short time. Uh, but then, like, the gods grew tired of it again. They said, what are we going to do? And then one of the goddesses, uh, that the livestock people, of course, uh, Horseshoe Sally, Fiona, this is the goddess Fiona. And uh, Horseshoe Sally is a big fan of Fiona. And so Fiona sent down her daughter, which was a goat named Jalid. And this was the most beautiful goat that has ever walked the earth, uh, and they sent Jalid down uh, to go and butt Damag and see what would happen. Uh, but Jalid, she was, she was strong, she was beautiful, unshakable. And so she went down, she butted Damag, ate Damag's shoes and those type of things. And because of her personality, she wouldn't deal with any of Damag's nonsense. And because she was, uh, who was it, uh, Fiona's daughter... You know, Damag would try, tried to control her, you know, tried to, uh, you know, put a, like, a, like a leash on her. She ate the leash. Yeah, put a bell on her to what, no one she go away. She ate the bell. And all the time she would just stare at Damag. And finally, Damag started to see the twinkle in, uh, Jalid's eye. And just to see that he couldn't control this goat, and that this goat was beautiful, uh, fair of oh, like uh, best smelling goat I've heard. Uh, this is what the children said: uh, the ever ever to exist, uh, 
beautifully soft in the sweetest bar. And any time, and, and then Damag just starts to talk to Fiona, uh, to Jalid finally. And uh, we'd just sit there, and they'd be in the field, and Jalid would be eating grass, and Damag would talk uh, and talk about Because now here's one thing Damag didn't know Damag was missing 1%, uh, but uh, Jalid picked up on it. And. Uh, she seemed to fill in in that percentage. She, she never she never spoke of it just yet. But they spent all the time together because Damag loved to talk and uh, all Zilid could do was bah and make eye contact and use body language. And then they started to have adventures. They would go to bed, these places, inns, bed and breakfast inns. And they would go shopping and with antiques, and uh, Jalid would eat antiques, and uh, Damag would pay for them. You know, they would go on hikes uh, where Damag could talk, and uh, Damag started to feel understood and less in conflict with the three sides, uh, suddenly getting attention uh, from this goat. And now, now this is, you know, Damag is a god, so not just one generation. But in, in Jalid was also a god goat, a goddess goat, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and so they would spend the time, and slowly Damag learned watching Jalid of uh, how to watch things and how to take things in and how to be stubborn with time instead of, like, wrangling your way. And so uh, Damag started to become softer leader in kindness. And Damag started to recognize how that empty feeling felt less empty when Jalid was there listening. And so Damag learned to listen uh, to the people of Winfield and the people beyond Winfield. And they learned by watching Damag. And the world started to reach this uh, this place where things were not half bad uh, and they still lived in Earth in paradise, and so everything was good there. Now, up in the God world, the gods weren't happy about this either because they're unpleasable, apparently. And so all this abundance and, and, and non-conflict, the gods had nothing to talk about because they used to always talk about uh, if what Damag was doing it was right or was wrong or they would be betting on who would be conquered, and slowly this became dull for them. And so they kind of tried all sorts of trickery. They tried, uh, you know, taking Jalid away and hiding her, and then Damag was able to find, went across the sea and found Jalid. And then they tried uh, casting some sort of spell where Jalid was cross and forgot. Oh, I think those were two different ones. Uh, again, the kids spent so much time talking about uh, Horseshoe Sally's armpits that it like, became tiresome. But they said, oh, like, so the gods, like, uh, they confused Jalid so she didn't know who Damag was once or that she didn't like him anymore. And then that was solved. And they tried everything, and they finally became upset. And they said, "Let's just." Bring, they said, uh, 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 "Just bring her back to live with us." Uh, they told her mother, and her mother refused. Uh, so they said, "Well, you're not a goddess anymore, and neither is your daughter." 
And they said, why don't you, you know, why don't you take a break somewhere? And so they took a break in existing a little bit. And uh, this was uh, news to Damag. Damag was so upset uh, that tears flowed from, you know, they created rivers that washed away half of Winfield. And then Damag stomped Damag's feet and another part of Winfield was gone. And the people of Winfield, they begged today, my oh, please, you know, use all the skills. And they built, you know, ta- like uh, great statues of Jalid. And the biggest one sat outside the city and Damag would sit there. And then finally he said, oh, I must go away. So then Damag went too far away to live alone and, like, uh, you know, live out and, uh, like, uh, eat chips. And Damag stopped wearing shirts and only wore sh- shorts. And Damag would just sit around watching birds in a bird bath all day long, eating snacks and doing not much else. Uh, and that was even more boring for the gods. But And then the gods said, you know what, this whole idea was, like, let's just restart this whole thing. This, uh, whatever this is, this humanity or whatever this, I don't know what they called it, but they said, let's, uh, let's, and they said, let's mix it up, though. So then they started, like, uh, sending, like, almost permanent challenges at the people of, the, like, Winfield and the greater Winfield area. So they sent the shaking earth and volcanoes and waves and, you know, too much rain, not enough rain, and testing and testing the people, and it got very chaotic. And Damag was asleep for most of this. uh, And finally, like, the people said, well, we can't handle much more of this. What happened to Damag? Like, why did the gods, uh, why did Damag abandon us? Why did the gods abandon us? And the wanderer was watching the whole time, feeling terribly guilty, uh, but also kind of identifying, like, after seeing Damag uh, uh, talking to Jalid, the wanderer had actually hidden Jalid for the wanderer's uh, self, uh, and uh, no one knew about this, uh, but uh, Horseshoe Sally said. Uh, and so, like, uh, the, the Wanderer felt like maybe I should intervene because now Jalit lives with me. And so the Wanderer went down to, to the island where Damag had gone to live alone and eat chips and sleep. And the Wanderer sat down and woke up Damag, and Damag said, "It's oh, it's you, the debater." And for a while, they debate, They had like a, a five five way debate uh, back and forth between the two halves of uh, the Wanderer and the three halves of uh, Damag. Now, meanwhile, the world was crashing down around them, and because uh, like a debate only really needs uh, like is a one on one thing, and then there was so so there could every at every moment one part of Damag was unengaged. And finally, the godlike part and the feminine part were communicating, saying, "This is ridiculous. We're just arguing here." And I could see the world, like, uh, and it said, "Quick, grab a part of the wanderer uh, and stick it in this little empty space." Uh, so Damag reached out and reached into one of the debating sides of the wanderer. 
uh, the more virulent, uh, aggressive debating side, uh, pulled it out uh, and squinched it up and put it like a little puzzle piece right inside of Damog. And believe it or not, that like 50% of the Wanderer it fit right in that 1% of Damog perfectly. And suddenly the Wanderer was shaken out of a revere. And Damog was re- like a grief gone. And Damog said, I feel great. Uh, I feel like I, you know, like I, I know what, like it, all of a sudden, it, this was long to explain, but uh, something about that re triggered. Uh, Damog's love of the people and love of the world and a commitment to the world. And as they assess things together, the Wanderer, who was now just a one, one perspective god, and Damog, they said, this is all over the world. All these things are going on and the gods are messing with it. Uh, what are we possibly going to do? How, we can't put a stop to it ourselves to help all the people. And uh, the wanderer had said, well, I came down to advise you. And this was how, I don't know the mechanics. This, this wasn't part of the story, but that's how the whole fairy thing got going in a more, I don't know, again, like, uh, but they called all the leaders of the world. And the wanderer went off, and I don't know how they got all the. Then they got an advisor from the from the wanderer. Like we only know what Damog did, which was gather all the leaders of the world together, and then these uh, fairy godparents came. At the time, they weren't called that, but they were advisors. And each like each nation or each city state got a good leader with a good advisor. And Damog said, figure out how to get deal with these uh, catastrophes that are going on. Keep your people fed. Keep You know, I'll be here to help, but I got to go deal with the gods right now. And put a stop to all this nonsense. Uh, so Damog did so. And Damog, so the, all the leaders went back with their advisors. And again, they, they started to do the best. Now, these weren't gods. These were just regular uh, humanities. I don't know if you, I don't know what... Uh, We'll say they were human. And so they all went back and did the best to, to keep them. And then Damag went up to marched up to the gates of uh, the gods' areas uh, and, uh, you know, demanded, uh, they said, you took my Jalid away from me. Now, uh, the Wanderer never told uh, Damag about Jalid. And I don't know if Jalid was the one helping uh, uh, the Wanderer procreate all these fairy godparents could be could be uh but uh they they sent like damag said i've had enough of your intervening on human affairs and you sent jaleed to me and you take jaleed away and you, you crafted me for your entertainment uh and there was many more missions uh for damag up there started stopping kano the Vul- vulcan god and stopping the Wave King, and dealing with the Earth Shaker, and many trials and tribulations to 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 put the Earth back at rest uh, uh, from all the nonsense the gods had been up to. Very heroic, and so heroic and exhausting that in the end, Demag climbed to the center of the world and went to sleep, uh, curled up in a little uh, ball. 
And that's why they say the center of the earth uh, is, it, is, is a curled up ball. It's a, it's a daymog living there asleep uh, in permanent slumber, I believe, but you know, could come back if we need daymog. Though again, I think this is, and I get confused with these. If it's a little, I don't think it's a literal thing. And then I think that was it. And then we had a big class discussion about all the things the students learned from this, which is a lot like the emptiness. Everyone was focused on that. Oh, do we all carry this empty percent uh, somewhere in us? Uh, was that symbolic of how we feel or a cause of how we feel? And Dr. Shelley, she always wants to answer these questions, which I believe are unanswerable. So we get into a debate about that. And the students say, you're like a couple of wanderers on the inside of Damag's head. And then we also talked about the importance of these boundaries. So like how, how many advisors have failed to connect with Damag? You know, the more ones that tried to to influence or whisper that Damag was supposed to listen to, it didn't really help by accepted by a stubborn goat that listened to Damag was able to set the world right until the gods intervened again. And this is like a lot of this fairy tradition of boundaries, of listening. And, and I don't think they use the word stubborn, but of uh, being steadfast in your ways. Uh, uh, this is, Jalid, is a big deal among uh, the, 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 old, the old fairy traditions uh, in how they would be trained to advise and how... Uh, you know, other myths talk about how special this role was uh, that helped, you know, to keep the humankind flourishing. And, you know, some kids said, don't fall in love. You know, that's the thing. Don't fall in love with the goat. Don't fall in love with the god. Uh, and we said, well, we never said they were in love with each other. They just loved one another. And the kids cleared the throats and laughed and said, who are you kidding and then another one said, well, don't trust the gods. That's another one. Uh, I think Dr. Shelley said humans are unfit to lead. That was, in a, well, that was her theory, which I said was ludicrous. Uh, uh, gentle guidance, gentle but stubborn guidance. These children are so bright. Uh, your guidance doesn't need to be perfect. And finally, little Carlo said... Uh, uh, the the magic of listening and eye contact. And I, did, I, say, I, I said, I can't make eye contact with you, Carlo. It's making me cry. I mean, I didn't say that out loud, but I thought it's, oh, the magic of listening. And then Dr. Shelley, she did do a good, she said, this is the richness of our stories, of our culture that are being lost, uh, uh, and, and, and that we need to keep sharing. It's a good thing that Mustang, or Horseshoe Sally, uh, remembered these things. And then Shelley had one last surprise, which was, she said, uh, she told her how, uh, that putting your thumbs in your armpits, uh, was a symbol of thoughtfulness and focus, and how, you know, Mustang Sally, is uh, like uh, from this, uh, it was interesting. So I guess I forgot what her main point was, but that uh, that they were laughing at 
But I don't know. It was was a nice point to to say that she was really trying to give them their full attention and fully focus. And, oh, it's just a lovely day to learn more about all these things and to be a part of this uh, exciting thing to let them. So now I'll curl up behind you here, my little letter and my little baby. It is late in the 4 p.m. Soon we will rise for supper. But now it is time to let the warm afternoon sun warm us as I lie here against this quilt uh, so comfortable on its surface, my head on the pillow, uh, thinking of a beautiful goat, listening to all I have to say, and watching me with its kind, interested, twinkling eyes. Oh, to be a member of this community and learn more. What a great day it is. Uh, Good night, little man.